You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to the Afterlife. Hey, <laughs> I'm here with Tommy Wakefield, who's adjusting some knobs right now. And uh, of course, I had to bribe Tommy with a bribe. Tommy had to bribe you with free lunch. Yeah, because Tommy is back in town from uh, the Carolina of the North. How long were you back home for? It was a week and a half. Week and a half back in the. Su- this must be a weird time. With this political climate to be back in North Carolina. All right. Well, technically, I went to Little Rock, Arkansas. What were you doing there? That's where my parents live now. They moved. They moved to Little Rock? Mm-hmm. Wow. What, why? Why would you uh, do that? My mom got a job at a university. Oh, she's a professor? Mm-hmm. Professor of what? Oh, like isn't like sex and shit, right? Like psychology and uh, <laughs> couples therapy and oh, relationships counseling type your dad's retired yeah okay cool so he was like all right you're paying the bills (laughs) did you i know i've talked about that i was up for a play off broadway about the little rock nine you must know the history of the little little rock nine right i don't know that i do god white people in american public schools get no fucking education about very little about uh little rock in particular it was basically the first publicly integrated school in the south and was there that Ruby Bridges? I think she was one of them, yeah. There were nine students. I think five of them were female, or six were female. I know about Ruby Bridges, but perhaps the Little Rock Nine and me. Yeah, they were kids, and they were getting tomatoes thrown at them. Yeah. There's a very famous Norman Rockwell painting about it. Um, I've seen those old photos of like the little black girl getting screamed at by like full-grown adults. Yeah, it's it was really, horrifying. It's really fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, and now you go there, the school is like one of the most beautiful schools you'll see because sure. it gets like all the federal funding and the, all the white guilt funding you could possibly throw <laughs> well, it in. As it should. It has. Uh, yeah, as it should. I actually auditioned for a play about it in New York. It's supposed, to be, it's supposed to be this big opus and they were all involved and the people, players involved and I was going to be like, you know, assorted racist white guys sure. and governors. I think Governor Orville Faubus. I mean, Is that's that the ra- most racist name I've ever heard. Or- <laughs> Orville Faubus? Orville Faubus. That is a clan member. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hands down. And, uh, yeah, man. If you ever listen to those old tapes with Kennedy and Orville Faubus and the different people, it's crazy. Because <laughs> Kennedy's all like, hey, he's all boss, he's all fast. And Orville Faubus, well, listen, Mr. President, the way I think of you know, they just go yeah. so slow. You can just feel John Kennedy, like, about to explode. But I did the audition. <laughs> I had, like, three callbacks. I'm like, I'm going to fucking book this. And I thought it was a big deal, right? Sure. And then at the last minute, they're like, okay, I think I told you this, Tommy. I might have talked on this podcast. They go, uh, can you sing? Yeah. And I go, I can't sing. Yeah. They go, meanwhile, it's it's the producers, the writer, director, the reader, everyone's black and one white casting director who mm-hmm. called me in. I go, I can't sing. I go, what would you sing at karaoke? I go, oh, fuck. And every every song I'm thinking of, I'm like, oh my god, like, bust a move, young MC, baby. I'm thinking of all these dumb rap, rap songs, songs, right? Am I? I can't do a rap song. I'm not a good rapper anyway. So I go, well, they're not asking for rap anyways. Yeah, that would be so ridiculous. I'm thinking like, 
I like big but you know I can't do that oh my god I mean I that would have been that. funny that would be funny they probably would have laughed at that they probably laughed <laughs> this is what I did talk yeah <laughs> meanwhile this is a play about systemic racism in America uh huh and just racism writ large in America yeah and I'm not prepared they didn't tell me to prepare a song no so before you judge me on what I did I'm thinking what was the last time I did they go what would you do at karaoke and the song that I, I go, oh, okay, Disney, Disney, I like, I go, uh, Little Mermaid, um, Under the Sea, Little Mermaid. Uh, what? Right? Under the Sea? Under the Sea. <laughs> Where I'm putting on a Jamaican, a black Jamaican accent oh, to sing a song. How did you land on that? The seaweed is always greener. And I'm doing the most like, the most like racist, stereotypical Jamaican accent. That, that is wild. <laughs> and I could That's just see on this. you. That is a, such a crazy pick. Well, dude, I don't know. I didn't have anything prepared. I wouldn't have been like, you know what? I'm going to pitch even for these nine black people. Even if you crushed it under the sea would be just... Even if you didn't do the accent, that's just... Under the sea. Under... You have to do the accent. I mean... I can't really sing... Under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> you do like seaweed is always green. In somebody else's lake. Wow. Yeah, that's what I did. And Needless to say, it. I didn't get it. That's hilarious. But the postscript of that is then, of course, you get it and you think this is going to be this guy's like <laughs> Angels in America. That's the thing in New York. Everyone's trying to get their next Angels in America, the big like magnus opus play that's going to change and revolutionize theater and blah, blah, blah. And that never happens. And this play was a bomb and no one liked it. And I think I would have been miserable because I would have been sitting there as like one of three white people and a nine-person cast just being told like that I'm a racist. Like I could have no opinion about anything, of course. Sure. Which is fair, but at the same time, like I probably would have, it would have been tough. It would have been tough to be like, uh, I have a suggestion. What? You know what I mean? So it's, it's glad. I think it my character should have a redemption arc. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was Orville that bad a guy? No, I wouldn't say that. Well, but, uh, as the actor, you have to... Uh, you have to assume that he has humanity. Yeah, you can't right? play. You got to play him kind of as a real person. Yeah, that's like when I did the movie um, Invasion with Riz Ahmed. Have you seen Sound of Metal yet, by the way? No. You got to see Sound of Metal, and we got to do a podcast about Sound of Metal. Okay, that'd be cool. Sound of Metal, Riz Ahmed is Lee. It's about a, a, a heavy metal drummer who goes deaf. That's the whole concept. And that's basically the whole movie. And it's fucking the best movie of the goddamn year. <laughs> He's really hyping it up. He wants that Oscar. <laughs> yeah, God, I hope he gets an Oscar. Because anyway, so I'm in his next movie, and the guy was like, the British guy was like, so, you know, you're playing like a white nationalist. I just want to know your take on it. And I had to tell him, I was like, well, you know, I have a dad who's a Trump supporter, a brother's a cop. A mom who's named Karen. There's a honky hat trick. That's my first joke of the you quarantine. Tell, and I tell go, that um, in the audition? No. I okay. think, I, but I said, I said my brother, I go, and they're good people, and I have to really examine why. I go, my brother is not radicalized. They're not He's, white nationalists. There's a big No, no, I know. But, but I mean, not you, a huge jump from. I will say this. If you are a white cop in America right now. Yeah. You're not a white nationalist, but you're white, and you have your doing it out of a patriotic duty a lot of the time so the step from being a white cop in america nowadays to being a white nationalist is like yeah not big not it's not a huge it's not jump. crazy yeah, yeah for sure you're definitely anti-black lives matter 
Yeah, you're definitely not a huge fan of Black Lives Matter. I mean, you might be kind of, you might get it, and you might sort of understand it and be sympathetic, but you're not going to be thrown off your fucking vest and marching. No. You know what I mean? If anything, you're going to be like... <laughs> Resenting we're, them we're, immensely. We're, we're now in more danger than we were a month ago because of this, you know? And my brother's not a, he's not an insensitive piece of shit, but sure. he, I think you just, you're in a side and that side gets, something happens to it and you have to kind of like dig in your heels even more sometimes. And it just, so it's a dangerous, so I just started talking about how like these are good people who really believe in family and they believe in their country and they believe in the constitution. You know, I just did all the fucking bullshit, all the mm-hmm. Republican talking points. Yeah. He's like, okay, I like that idea. I like that idea. Yeah. Of course, but of course, I'm not going to play the guy like, oh yeah, I'm a fucking asshole, like who just wants to kill brown people. No, <laughs> yeah. that that will be a shitty performance, right? Every well, of course, every performance you do as an actor is you want to be you are the you are in the right, 100. percent But that's also how it is in real life too. Everyone thinks they're in the right. It's exactly. Very, that's why cartoons when you have that character like uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, the mm-hmm. guy who had the mustache and was always like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. the train tracks. Yes, like I love being evil. There are very few people who think they're being evil. No. Um, so there's little, a, the occasional absolute lunatic sociopath. Yeah. Well, the sociopath that's not even. They just don't think there is a thing as morality. They're just like it doesn't matter. And then there's a lot of people who are so convinced of their own worldview that they will justify horrible, horrible things. Yes, of course. That's almost the majority of people. It is, on both sides. What did you think about, because I know, and this is part of the fun of the podcast, Tommy, is you're so far left. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So far left, yeah. (laughs) What do you think of the idea that um, uh, sort of shoplifting has been sort of Across America, oh, it's large. ethical against just kind of ethical. Yeah, it's an ethical thing to shoplift now. <laughs> to shop, I that's more of a because meme. of insurance. That's more of a meme that like you can steal from Walmart. I kind of here's here's the thing. In terms of, uh, I mean that here's kind of how I think about it. In my individual morality. I think it's wrong to steal, period. Right? I don't think you should steal. But my broad view of the big picture, I think that they are stealing way more from us than we could ever steal from them in our pockets. Right? Yes. Like, if someone shoplifts a piece of gum from a multinational corporation, I'm rooting for them to not get caught. Because yes. I think that... Uh, you know what I mean? Like... In the broad spectrum, it just doesn't matter. Am I going to start stealing things? Absolutely not. Yeah. I think stealing is wrong. If you saw someone stealing in the store, but would if you someone, be like, yeah. excuse me, sir? I abso- I'm not a snitch, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm on the side of the petty thief in terms of like, because if you're stealing, and now if it's like a rich person who's just like stealing for the thrill, I'm like not really that sympathetic to yeah. that. But if you're someone who is stealing out of necessity. If you're Jean Valjean stealing a loaf of bread for your family. If you're Jean Valjean, I'm on your side, dude. <laughs> Society has fucked you. You're yes. doing what you have to do out of uh, desperation, right? If you're some fucking character in a Spring Breakers movie, just like <laughs> some rich white kid doing weird but pranks, a lot of the, I don't know. A lot of the shoplifting that's been happening in the past 
several months has not been loaves of bread. It's been like Nikes and TVs and shit like that. It's been stuff that's like oh, luxury about, items. Are we talking about looting? I don't know. Well, I know what happened to Miracle Mile in Chicago where basically they just said, okay, we're not going to police this place. And people just went there and said, okay, I'm getting hmm. fucking bracelets and clothes and, you know, Gucci and shit like that. And I don't like, know. Well, that's just, th-, and they were like, that's reparations. That's reparations. And you go, you don't want to be sympathetic to that. You're like, okay, I kind of get that. But at the same time, like, where is, the, where is the. I mean, it's, all, it's also complicated. Like, it's not that complicated to say that you shouldn't steal. I agree with that. But I'm like, I, I, as a person on like the, I guess you would consider far left. I understand the perspective of if uh, someone who's historically disenfranchised robs one of these companies that just got billions of dollars from the government after paying zero in taxes yeah, and has been paying less than minimum wage and our tax dollars have been going towards giving food stamps to their employees you know what i mean yeah well, like here- they do owe the community something back fucking up a small business is absolutely of wrong and no, no one should be doing that and people are doing that let's people not act like that none of that has been happening some people just go through the streets and smash car windows and like that's part of your own community that's crazy to do yeah right the th- i changed my mind i used to do a little bit of shoplifting just just a modicum just a little bit here and there just just for a little zhuzh in my life <laughs> yeah, um, sure. not a big deal like i would i would get go to whole foods and be like fuck whole foods and just this is so i'm spending so much money let me just take this extra little fucking shot of goji berry or whatever it was sure and i admitted that to a friend of mine and she was like you realize when you do that the people who suffer are the employees because the board and the owners they're always going to look for the bottom line and they're always going to make a profit that is the mandate for every corporation mm-hmm. so anytime you steal from a big corporation like that uh, it affects the bottom line and they were going to how are they going to uh, keep making a profit they're going to take money from the employees how are they going to take money from the employees they're not going to raise their salaries they're, they're not, not going to raise their a- salaries anyways they're going to raise CEO salaries I don't I think that in my opinion it's so if you shop you don't think if you shop left if a lot of people start shopping from these big corporations you don't think it'll affect the insurance for the employees here's the thing the wages for the employees there is a uh, the shoplifting happening in terms of you taking an extra squirt of goji berries or something (laughs) that is so so marginal that that's definitely not affecting anything but i'm saying if you if everyone started shoplifting to the point where it was having a serious effect on them you're probably right. It would affect the smaller workers, but it shouldn't, right? That is the logic of one of these multinational corporations. The people at the top, they instantly take out any amount of economic turmoil on the people at the bottom. Of course, that's what I'm saying. But you can't change the mentality of those people it's by shoplifting. Exactly. So you but can't shoplift. No, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't shoplift. I'm just saying that... It, if the profits increase exponentially for these companies, do you think things are going to get better for the people at the bottom? Because mm. they're not. They're all going to go right where they're already well, going. Well, let me ask you this. So in a comedy club, right? Mm-hmm. How many people go to comedy clubs where they go in and they don't pay their fare or they skip out on their tabs, whatever? Mm-hmm. Do you think if everyone who came to a comedy club paid their admission fee and paid for their drinks and left good tips and the 
company was making more profit, don't you think the company would then pay their comics more? I don't know. Depends on the fucking company, doesn't it? I don't think they would. Yeah. I think it depends on the comic and the comic's agent and their ability to negotiate. You know? Yeah. I think if nobody knew that they were making more money, they would just keep all that money. You know what's really fucked up about comedy, by the way? I remember when I first started doing comedy in 2000... God, when was it? 2005? 2004, 2005. First started doing comedy. They tried to do a union, a comedy union. Yes. Ted Alexandro... Russ Maneev, a couple other people were trying to do a comedy union to get health insurance and benefits and all that stuff. And yeah. there was some interest. But of course, ultimately, the club owners just kind of waited it out and it went away. But one thing that happened was they raised the sort of the weekend, uh, the weekend set fee went from like $50, which was normal, yes. to $85, $75, $85, became standard. 2004, 2004. You know what it is now? What? $85. It yeah. has not changed in 15 fucking years. This is exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. And if they had not done that, it would still be fucking $50. Yeah, yeah I know. It's you know, on the, When I talk to friends of mine, if I have a weekend spot at the Laugh Factory or any comedy club, I don't want to throw a Laugh Factory, but it's all comedy clubs. Improv, doesn't of course, matter. Of course, of um, course. It depends if you're on the road, obviously. But if I have a, a weekend spot at the Improv, um, my friends, they, they assume it's like, $250 a set mm-hmm. sure. $300 a set yeah. I'm like no I just did the Arlington Cinema and Draft House this weekend which is a th- which is like a theater I mean granted it's COVID so they have 50% capacity you know they cheated they're being a little <laughs> they're being a little shady yeah um, I still have a sense of smell so I'm not too worried but they um, they so I, di- I did it I went down there I flew all the way to fucking DC for this did the shows, did five shows. Um, I made $500. Nice. I literally got... Oh, nice. Sorry, sorry. I, I'm looking at, the, for I'm five looking at my shows, check like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, oh, I get $100 a show. Now, $100 a show is like what you get locally usually yes. on a weekend. So I'm going... I get a... I mean, literally look at the guy. I go, I go really? I'm getting $100 a show? He goes, yeah, that's actually good. When you said 500, I was thinking 500 a show for a second. 500 a show would be fucking amazing. Yeah. 100 a show is ridiculous when you're traveling. It just made me think like the business model for being a comedian is just really fucked up. And also I was featuring, obviously, if it was a headliner, you know, I don't want to mention who I was, I'm not throwing him under the bus, but he probably made, I would say he probably made that weekend, he didn't make 50,000, he probably made like 30,000. What? I would say minimum $25,000. It's so fucking psycho. I was talking to one of my friends who is a musician professionally, and he was complaining to me about how little he gets paid as a performer entertainer, right? Because he's like traveling around, he's doing gigs, and he's like barely scraping by. He's like, sometimes I get 100 a show, sometimes I get this, right? And then uh, he was comparing it to me. Obviously, I'm like a not even working comedian in Los Angeles. So I'm doing almost exclusively free shows just to get exposure, just to get stage time, just to try and get my name out there. Yeah. So so I was telling him that like I never get paid, right? <laughs> and if I do get paid, I'm like traveling way out here and I'm getting maybe like 50 bucks something because I would say we are at equivalent levels 
from music to comedy. Got it. In terms of like experience and how much we're performing and the amount of like the level of people we're performing with, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm like I'm on shows just because we're in the big city performing on people with people who are like on TV or like known. So like if he was on an equivalent level show, these would be like people who are getting millions of plays on Spotify or something. Got it. And he is able to make a living off of music. I can't even like pay one month's rent, right? Yeah. And then it it doesn't get that much better. Like comedy is just like fucked. <laughs> it's just completely fucked in terms of like making money at it well the problem with comedy is i don't know if this is true or not i almost feel like it's like art like painting right yeah because i don't give a fuck what you say you can be a garbage painter but somehow capture some cult of personality or somehow Mm -hmm. tap into the right person fuck the right art dealer whatever it is yeah and create this sort of thing this commodity while you have no talent and I think that there's so many comics and, and so many people, there are people who really love comedy and mm-hmm. there are people like, oh, this is a good shortcut to stardom. Yes. This is a shortcut to an acting career, a film career, a TV career. So people are crashing the boards. It's like when Tower Air was an airline. Like you just show there, like, you look at all these motherfuckers flying Tower Air. That's like being a comic. There's so, you don't have to have any, you literally don't have to have any talent. Mm. I mean, there are people we know, I'm not going to name names. But you might be like, hey, you should try comedy. And they're like, sure. And because they have a connection, they might be connected to a certain club or not, all of a sudden they're working shows. Yeah. Within a year. Yeah. And they have people writing jokes from helping with jokes. And they're fine because ultimately all I have to do is talk. Yeah. All you have to do is take a take a joke that you've tweeted or heard or someone gave you and say it th- with your mouth. Yeah. And people are like, oh, you're funny. And are you? If you're really working good shows, that will get by. Yeah. Because if the audience is hot, and then you'll see those same dudes on like some indie show with you, and <laughs> you'll be like, ah, there it is. There's the truth. <laughs> You're saying because indie shows are harder. Yeah. Yes. Like, or just like a shitty indie <laughs> show where no one has anything to drink, and like yes. it's all spaced out, it's in some yard, <laughs> and you just get to see like the truth of the jokes laid bare oh, on God. how it really hits people in the face. Yeah. It's like... You know, that's always a hard. That's always a hard thing to. You get to see that lack of to, charisma. Yeah, just. it's always hard to measure because then sometimes you'll do shows, like we did that show together that one time in the valley, and they were there to see a band. I mean, that show was brutal. And I just went there right away. He's like, ah, shut up. And you're like, oh, what do you do now? You know, but, and it makes you kind of go, wow, what do I? And then you justify like, well, I'm I'm a I'm a Showtime comedian. I can't mess with this shit. I don't I don't think that. I mean, when I say indie shows, I don't necessarily. I mean like shows that are working on some level. That one was just like kind of a disaster from the jump. But those are the best shows. Yeah, you yeah. especially just like were like I'm blowing the entire room up. Because like uh. I I will always just give it my honest best. And then and you were like, I'm gonna hurt, just terrorize these people. <laughs> You're like, this isn't going anywhere. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to antagonize these yeah. tables. I don't know why. I, I feel like I got to figure out what what that is in me. That like I have this bit right now on Instagram at Bill Dawes. It's my it's it's like the my vegan bit. It's like the eight minute version of this vegan mm-hmm. bit. 
it's not the best version, but I was like, okay, it combines a bunch of different things. It's the Caitlyn Jenner thing. It's a vegan thing, different stuff. It's and a lot of people are like it, and people are going like, that's so fucking offensive and disrespectful to to trans people, and it's transphobic. You're transphobic, and a hundred percent of the time, mm-hmm. the people who write in that are young white girls. Sure, a hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you'll have comments from adult trans males or females, adult trans people, mm-hmm. who will say, that's fucking hilarious. And there is a weird thing that's happening right now. And for some reason, I've become very obsessed with, with everything trans right now. It's like, it's like I just read this book that you're not allowed to talk about. Have you heard about this book? No. Irreversible Damage, Abigail Schreier. She okay. was on Joe. So she wrote this book. It's basically like, you know, I have a, I have a daughter who is part of the trans community. She's gender fluid. Non-binary? Non-binary. Okay. Which is great. She's not looking to get surgery or anything like that, obviously, but she's non-binary, and that's fine. I kind of like the non-binary I'm okay with thing. that. I, I kind of think that it is... It's like liberating yourself mentally yes. from all of these bullshit rules that everyone puts on you, but you, it's not like... I mean, I think I think people doing whatever they want to do in terms of like surgery, reassignment, or whatever is good if that makes them happy. But I kind of like the non-binary thing as a way to, like, instead of just like reversing it and going against everything that you're being told, it's just kind of like I'm above yes all of these norms, stereotypes, ex- expectations. I'm going to live in a new world where I'm yeah. just me. Yeah, yeah, I respect and, that, and I'm okay with that. But okay, <laughs> I feel like my daughter. She just missed. She just aged out of the trend that exists right now for younger girls, where um, it is almost a fad mm-hmm. to be trans, and it is. It just is. And the fact that we as a society can't really recognize that and go, let's just look at it. I mean, basically, this woman wrote this very well thought out book. Mm-hmm. That I mean, it might be a little harsh at times. It might be a little bit sometimes, a little judgmental. But in general, it's just like an investigative journalist who's like looking into this this thing where you have certain colleges that now identify forty percent of the population identifies LGBTQ, right? Sure. Which just statistically isn't even has never been the case ever in the history of the world. So what she is saying too is that because of social media and a lot of the trending stuff and what's popular and the influencer, influencers that are really kind of blowing up, they're really promulgating a trans life as, like you're saying, an elevated life outside the rules of all the constrictors and all these bullshit Republican ideologies that have been espoused. So, um, And it's kind of a facade. As we know, social media is all facade. Sure. So you, you, you're, you're getting a lot of young people who feel disenfranchised in life, who feel like they're not popular, they don't fit in. It's kind of punk. It's like yeah, it's kind punk. of punk. It's yeah. a new punk. And they go, oh, I could be trans. Yeah. So this could be the, the, the salve that I'm looking for. This, this could is be the giving solution. me a, a hardcore uh, anti-establishment identity. So And when, a belonging, in yes, a sense, because absolutely. once you... I mean, it is such a huge commitment, emotionally, physically, that like, you're, you're in. Yeah. You know? So the minute that you go, I'm trans, in today's society, and like particularly in Instagram, social media, you are celebrated of as course. someone yeah, who yeah, is yeah. like evolving past all this moral constrictors. Yeah. So 
But if you come out and you go, I'm lesbian, people are like, that's all you got. Lesbian is boring now. Lesbian is boring. Not only is lesbian boring, lesbian is like low on the totem pole. It's the lowest of the L. I mean, really, it's LGBTQ. It's like reverse order in terms of how fucking like queer is great. Like everyone's queer. Queer is, represents like everybody can be mm-hmm. queer. Sure. T is fucking strong. Like, right. Trees got stronger. Bisexual is like mm. gay is like whatever, and lesbian is like Ugh. it's the reverse <laughs> well, order. I would I would disagree with that. I mean, I would say if we're we're rating them bisexual would probably be i see what you're maybe, trying to maybe, do you're maybe, trying maybe. to do the bit where it's, it all like lines not up cool it's not cool to be quite. lesbian and now if you're a, a, <laughs> why is it not cool to be a lesbian look my daughter is a lesbian right uh-huh if i ask my daughter she says she's non-binary cooler than uh it's cooler to be bisexual not, it's like, cooler to be gender fluid i, I would say the bisexual i get feel like more bisexual is like a, is sort of an antiquated term i don't think people ever say bisexual anymore yeah they do really sure I think bisexual people are just like gender fluid or sexually fluid or non-binary. Right. Maybe maybe that's the new wave. But that's what I mean. But so people my age still use So bisexual. lesbians don't like to identify as lesbians anymore because it's considered passe. It's not cool anymore. You have to be sort of like, like my daughter's a lesbian, right? Mm-hmm. But she won't say she's a lesbian. She'll say she's non-binary, which is great, whatever. However, you, what makes you feel comfortable? Sure. But what's happening now is because lesbian is so uncool in social media and all the influencers there's not a lot of big lesbian influencers right that um my niece is a lesbian influencer is she really mm-hmm. and she's like she's identifies herself as a lesbian mm-hmm. well good for her maybe she can change the game but she started out as a mormon so going lesbian is a huge jump for her that's you know what true I mean? that's true. how old is she now my age oh really mm-hmm. oh wow i should i should follow her <laughs> maybe you should do you guys get along yeah She's. You're like. Yeah. No, we do. I mean, I. I don't. I haven't talked to her in a little bit. But we've always got along traditionally, yep. and. Uh, yeah. But what's happening now? We follow each other according online. to this. <laughs> according to this book, what's happening now is a lot of young girls who identify as lesbian, who feel lesbian, are being told by social media, by influencers, like, "Wow, if you want to wear flannel and you feel like a tomboy, because tomboy as a phrase doesn't really exist anymore. Okay. Then you're probably a guy." So a lot of people who traditionally were lesbians are now identifying as trans. And the problem with that, and this is the, this is the only thing that is being brought up by all these books and mm-hmm. this Joe Rogan interview, is that I think a lot of people are fine for people being who they are and who, who they want to be. Um, but the weird conflation is that there are people who feel that I don't feel right in my gender. Mm-hmm. So they're being told, well, well, gender is a fluid thing, then sure. be a different gender, identify as a different gender, and you can be that. You can be above it, like you said. But the problem is they're also wanting to make sure their biology matches the way they feel as a gender. Sure. Right? Which is a bizarre contradiction because you're saying, well, biology and gender are different, so why is everyone changing the biology to match the gender they feel they are? Like, why do you need to do that if they are not the same thing? Sure. So the problem is you have a lot of these people who are confused in situations and they get, they start taking the medical route and they're feeling regret. And the fact, and nothing on social media, because we're all in our echo chambers, will show that. So there's a lot of people who are detransitioning, who feel regret, mm. who feel like you made mistakes, but that will not be covered because it doesn't fit a narrative. Right. It's a very pro-trans narrative. This goes back to my bit about, which is like, you know, I, I take a couple shots of Caitlyn Jenner. Mm-hmm. I do the, 
the I, vegan food is like a transgender cuisine. I'm a soybean. I identify as a buffalo wing, mm-hmm. which feels like a pretty mild joke. Sure. I don't know if you feel that way, but like it gets a lot of hate. From I mean, young I, white think, women. I think the uh, buffalo wing joke is relatively mild. It's kind of mild, right? You know, it's it's kind of silly, and it's not really. I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a part of the community, so who am I to say? But well, you are because you're an ally, right? I, yeah, I wouldn't say that makes me a part of the community. I'm just kind of an outside observer. Yeah, I'm, I'm a supporter of people trying to be free in America. You know. Well, what's weird about it too to me is like I look at it this way. I've had trans f- friends. I've probably hooked up with a trans person. I will neither confirm nor deny that. Mm-hmm. I think that may have happened. Sure. Whatever. I don't care. Um. I've trans people come to my shows, trans people like some stuff I do. Uh, so I don't feel that I'm transphobic, but I want to be sensitive to the fact that maybe I am. At the same time, I also feel like if we're being told that we can't say any jokes at all I mean, about the, Buffalo, the trans community. The Buffalo Wing, you're not making fun of trans people. You're just kind of invoking a controversial term yeah. and repurposing it for a food item. Yeah, and it feels edgier than it is because kind of, you're yeah. you're like tickling the word, you're touching the word. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And then that makes people uncomfortable. But you're not attacking the lifestyle or saying it's good or bad. You're you're not really taking a stance on trans issues. You're just kind of tickling the word and talking about vegan shit. Yeah, and I also feel that people think, oh God, it's such a big issue because people have said you're you're encouraging violence against the trans community by doing this. And it, oh well, I guess the Caitlyn Jenner thing. I'm I'm more talking about the Buffalo Wing joke. The Caitlyn Jenner thing is it's like you're not you're once again not really. I mean, if I I don't really remember the joke that well, but you make fun of her car crash. Well, I just thing, make right? fun. Of, I make fun of the fact that that um, Caitlyn Jenner is basically. I mean, now I think Elliot Page is probably going to be the face of the trans movement, which is a much better representative. Much better representative. Way better. So, but before Elliot Page, the biggest trans member was Caitlyn Jenner, and she—if you look at her politics, she's, she's Republican. She's Republican. Yeah. She opposes gay marriage. Yeah, she, she hasn't really done much for the community. So I set she's it up. I go, nothing. I go look, look, look what Caitlyn Jenner's done. I read this stuff, and some of the stuff is stuff that Laverne Cox has done, some of the stuff that other activists have done, mm-hmm. and I read, look what she's done. I'm like, did you guys know this? They go, no. I'm like, yeah, because she hasn't done shit. She's a fucking Kardashian. Right. She hasn't saved a gay kitten from a tree. So, <laughs> so tr- when that was released on the Laugh Factor Instagram, tr- trans community yeah. came out to defend me. Yes. Because all these white women were like, this is so transphobic. Transphobic. No, bitch. It's not transphobic. We hate Caitlyn well, Jenner. Yeah. I don't think they fuck with Caitlyn Jenner either. They don't. They don't Why like would they? For all the reasons you just listed. Yeah. Because there are a lot. There are people who are much better uh, advocates. Totally. So anyway, it's just a it's just a weird time because I still get I still get kind of I still feel sensitive about it, but at the same time I can't help. I also like I like the feeling of making people uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the kind of a comedian itch. Yeah, but then I look at people like John Lema- John Mulaney, who everyone just loves. John Mulaney. John yeah, yeah, yeah. Mulaney. Well, Lemaney. he doesn't really he doesn't really touch he doesn't fuck with people. He just kind of... But isn't that a better way to be? He stays in his lane. That's kind of how I am in my comedy. Yeah. I just... I don't know. I used to have a couple jokes that were edgy, and then I was like... So that's what you want to be. You want to be a comic who doesn't offend anybody, because you want everyone to like you. Well, 
I just, I mean, I think if I had something to say that I really believed in, in terms of a controversial stance, then I would take it. But I'm not going to force controversy just... Just because it makes you feel good inside pissing people off. Right. I don't, I don't have that as much. I just want to make people happy. <laughs> I wonder if that's like just, those are the, the two different comics. The ones who just want to like, who get a endorphin rush from seeing people upset. <laughs> and the ones who just want to make people happy. I feel like I'm both. I want to make people happy. It doesn't make me feel good when people are mad. I used to be the opposite. I mean, I used to love, and and my version of like an edgy joke is probably like super vanilla. What's your what's your edgiest joke? I don't remember. I used to, I used to have a couple jokes that were pa- bad, not bad, but like I just want. I mean, I was hanging out with stand up comics, and I was in North Carolina, and we were just doing shitty dive bars, and people just now. You mean no, 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 no. Okay. This was like when I first started. Okay. And I wanted to be edgy. I wanted to get a reaction. And I didn't really know how to without being... Um, like, I, my, initially, I think I was more in the Dimitri Martin category of like, look how clever this yes. thought I have is. Yeah. And that was not really getting what I wanted. And um, then, obviously, I was getting into like Bill Burr, Patrice O'Neill stand-up, which is like Very way different. more hard-hitting yeah. and like way funnier, to be honest. And uh, and then I was trying to do that in my own way, but I was still I was still being like quirky. Like I I have like it's like a Dimitri Martin esque like rape joke yes. that I tried a couple times, what and then it? I decided that it wasn't worth talking about that kind yeah. of shit because it's way too. It's like why am I even talking about this if it's gonna bother people? I just but I just was like I was super into the whole like. At the time, it was like this uh, Ricky Gervais, Louis C.K.-esque mindset of everything is acceptable in pursuit of a laugh, right? Like, like I'm just playing around with words, and I wasn't really thinking about other people's feelings. I mean, it was very silly. It was basically, um, the concept was that is like Vikings raping and pillaging, mm-hmm. when in reality, it should be pillaging and raping. You know what I mean? Why? You can't start raping before you finish pillaging or you're going to p- get killed. Yeah, you killed. pillage first. You have to win the battle before you start raping. Like, if yeah. I was... If you start raping and you haven't won the battle, so you're going to get killed. You're going to get killed, right? Yeah. So, like, if I was a Viking and I caught somebody raping before they finished pillaging, I would fucking be pissed. I think that's a solid joke. It's a premise. I, I used to go into other details on it. Because you're basically taking a, a phrase that has been bandied about for right. since we're kids. Like, right. Oh, the Vikings came, they raped and pillaged. Like, why is raping first? You can't... Should be pillaging rape. You are yeah. 100% right. So you're making fun of a societal kind of I'm thing. I'm making fun of a word order. Yes. And it's like an edgy word. Yeah. So I'm like... It's the most vanilla, basic way dealing with that yes. concept. But I'm also, over the course of it, saying the word rape a lot and I'm I'm putting those images in people's heads when I'm doing the joke yeah and I used to be like a big fan of like George Carlin's seven words like I love the idea that you could just repeat a word over and over until it means nothing and like and they're just words and it's not a big deal but there's just such a difference of opinion on that yeah it's like to to fight that battle in the middle of my mostly goofy silly set yeah. to suddenly become free speech warrior boy uh-huh. is is not worth it to me. Well, there's also, I think there's a divide in the psych, 
psychiatric community, which maybe your mom could speak to, about how people deal with PTSD. Sometimes you deal with PTSD by just repeating something so much, talking about it so much that it loses its importance. Mm -hmm. And the other way to do it is you kind of try to find ways to circumnavigate it. And, And like, I think in my own personal experience and my own personal opinion, I think if you're afraid of something or if you're traumatized by something, you should attempt to face that fear and maybe overcome it. But that's not necessarily my decision to make for other people, right? Yeah. So, just because I feel a certain way. And it's like, on the one hand, you are coming to a comedy show, right? And if you're coming to that show, you should be ready to encounter comedy, especially depending on the comedian. But I'm also like, that's not the level I'm at where people are coming to see me. I'm going to like some random bar where I'm just like, there's just patrons there, you know? Yeah. I don't know, but I'm also like... I don't know. I had this moment happen happen in Virginia, Arlington, where and that's a very mixed crowd. Yeah, is very like right there in D.C. is where the rubber meets the road. It's like North meets South, Mason Dixon, all that shit. So I would say it's about like I did a joke. I did that classic joke I do, which I'm kind of wanting to retire. Although I, I I had something funny about it too. I why I say once you go white you stay tight. No no <laughs> <laughs> no I didn't do that one. But I said um. Yeah, you need a lot more black people in the audience for that joke to even land right. But I say <laughs> it's all white. They're gonna be like, "Yeah, Fuck they're gonna be you, like, man." <laughs> but I say, um, I say, she's the girl's correct my language. I go, "Do you know that girl? She's not a girl. She's a woman." I'm like I'm, I can't say girl. She's like, "No." I'm like, "Well, that's fucking retarded." And then people, go, oh, I go, "No, you can't say retard. You have to say Trump supporter." Mm-hmm. So, and then I go, I go, I go, huh? I feel like fifty-one percent of you like that joke. Which gets laughed because that's how it splits, sort of by population. What's funny about that joke is you're kind of fucking with both sides. Yes. Because liberals are not the type to want to hear or laugh at the R word, right? Yes. But they want to take it out on the Trump supporters. So it's like nobody wins, <laughs> nobody which wins. is kind of fun. Yes. And so I say, I go, just so you know, guys, and this weirdly gets an applause break here. I go, just so you know, guys, when I say that joke in West Hollywood, I body surf out of the fucking room on a crowd of liberals, you know, and they uh-huh. just, they applaud that. So they, so people get the idea that yeah. there is a divide and that yeah. they play with it. But then I, then it made me think, I was like, the world, because I know Louis C.K. talked about it. I go, it's weird because I grew up with the word retarded and I grew up with a phrase that I'd hear all the time, like mildly retarded. Mm-hmm. There was a guy named Peter Burke that I grew up with and he annoyed me and my mom in his defense would be like don't call him stupid he's mildly retarded so in a way I was like oh geez I was such an asshole calling him stupid when in fact he's mildly retarded so it was a <laughs> yeah, way yeah, of yeah. kind of like mitigating I was like what a weird I go then what degrees of is I, it like salsa mild? I low-key understand what your mom was saying because like to call someone stupid implies a moral judgment right mm, interesting. I being stupid is like something that is your fault. Yes. If you're stupid, that's on you. Yeah. Right. But if you're like, uh, uh, like mildly retarded, she's using that as a medical condition. Yes. Right. No. 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 Don't make fun of him. He's mildly retarded. Right. He has something genetic that is not his fault. Yes. Now your friend Billy over here, he's stupid. He's stupid. Maybe he's an mean asshole. To him. Yes. So it's funny because it made me feel... That's similar though. Like I would never be mean to someone 
uh, right, like mentally challenged, that would be a horrible thing to do. Awful. But yeah. your friend, who's just not being quite as stupid, smart as everybody being an else, asshole. if he's in like remedial classes, yeah, those people are getting made fun of. Yes. If right? his IQ is one ten, he's stupid. If yeah. it's ninety five, he's mildly retarded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can't so, make fun of the mildly. It's uh, it's tricky. And the sad part is that a lot of the people who are just like stupid is probably something that is roughly related to like economic or family or they're just socioeconomic conditions right yeah. like maybe they don't have money for a tutor or their parents are working two jobs and they can't teach them shit right yeah but society is let's beat the shit out of them <laughs> fuck those guys you know yeah i don't know it's it's tricky can't be nice to everybody because but it's weird because we mean I'm, I'm also talking about if i talk about the way I, I grew up and i grew up with this word and this phrase then am i being offensive by saying this is something i grew up with I grew up with people being called mildly retarded in a way to garner empathy for them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's, society is constantly changing and we have decided We've that- We've got to figure it out. We got new words. We got new words and it's like, but I this, don't know. This is what I like told the audience and they got tight a couple times. I said, look, I go, this is what I believe too. Is like, you came here to be offended. You came to a live comedy show yeah. to be offended. If you didn't want to be challenged, and by offended, I mean challenged. Yes. Your sensibilities challenged. Yeah. If you didn't come to have your sensibilities challenged, you'd be home right now wearing earmuffs over headphones. Drinking hot cocoa. Drinking hot cocoa. Pet your gender neutral cat. I tend to agree with that perspective. I don't, I think that is absolutely why people used to come to comedy shows. Nowadays, I'm not sure. I still think that's why I like to listen to great comedians. Especially as someone who's like a fan of comedy, I I love to have my perspective challenged and like I think that's one of the great things about comedy. But th I think there is a new genre of comedy fan mm -hmm. that is uh, maybe a result of social media. Of social media, and they want they want it clean and they want it straight down the middle, or they want to see the magic trick. But they don't want to feel the danger. Yeah. You know? I feel like it goes back to everything that was in that documentary, Social Dilemma, where everyone wants to be firmly ensconced in their echo chamber, mm -hmm. and they only want to be reinforced in their echo chamber. And you can't go, you can't cross purpose. Either you got to play a red state room or mm -hmm. a blue state room. And if you, if you fuck around, you can't do too much fucking around with Com both of them. Comedy is just such a broad art form that I think it gets shuffled into one genre. Yeah. But... Some people want to hear classical music and some people want to hear punk rock. And the weird thing with comedy is like you would never put Yo-Yo Ma on the stage with the fucking Ramones. Yeah. But in comedy, you would. Yes. Back to back. Yes. And people are just like, what the fuck is going on? Because everyone's, because it's not like you bring the cello out, you know what you're getting. You bring the fucking uh, electric guitar out, you know what you're getting. But with comedy, it's just two people with a microphone and their ideas yes. are the electric guitar, right? Yeah. So it... it it's funny too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because people like like Bill Burr, who, who you know, I love him as a comic. I think he's great. Obviously, if Bill Burr was not famous right now, mm -hmm. and he was doing his material as a non-famous comic, mm -hmm. he spent twenty plus years becoming famous. Yes, he would bomb. Yeah, you're probably right. He would bomb if Bill Burr, unfamous, unknown, bald guy, showed up at the Laugh Factory in Hollywood on Saturday night and did his material. He, I mean, by the way, I saw this happen eight years ago before Bill Burr was that famous. Going to the Laugh Factory and have people, ugh, 
just squirming at what he would talk about. You know what I mean? But now he is so famous that he's sort of begrudgingly all the alt and indie people love him. He is. He has uh, earned his edgy card. Yes, through recognition and through like because uh, his success is undeniable and his fan base is undeniable and people in the community who are of stature have accepted him and yeah. acknowledged him yeah. so yeah you can't act like he's illegitimate yeah i don't even like some of his jokes but i remember liking a ton of his jokes back in the day and i like i like his style and the way he dances and you know what I mean? <laughs> Fucking laser dodges. Because laser dodging is one of the main types of comedy. Laser dodging? Laser dodging like um, like 007 in a room full of lasers. Uh-huh. And he gets through the whole room without a single <laughs> laser touching him. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah. It's like, like it's like... Because... I mean, and this is like just the type of comedy that people like Patrice O'Neill do where they start with a horrible... Premise, premise that makes everyone uncomfortable and, and they then they defend it with they logic easy their way logic, out of it yeah 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 to the point where you're like i can't i can't really disagree with what he's saying but i feel bad so now maybe i need to self-reflect yes, yes. you know yeah that i think someone said that what maybe louis k said uh, uh, he goes his idea is like you insert a ridiculous hypothesis and you defend it with rigorous logic yes bingo. so bill Kerr, bill burr will say here's what's funny about sexual assault and people are like, ooh. Right, yeah. And then he'll talk about getting nut-tapped by Chelsea Handler at a comedy gig. <laughs> Fuck, I gotta, I gotta go, go right I gotta now. make sure that I don't be late. You got four fucking minutes, bro. I don't want to be. I don't want to. Wow, close. this is a new Tommy. Well, I'm just, this is a f- economic uh, desperation Tommy. <laughs> you got it. Tommy, this is a, way, I already bought my girlfriend's Christmas present, shirt, Tommy. His, his shirt's tucked in. He's got his haircut. I just want to keep it as long as possible. You're, it's it's 256. This is a credit card debt, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> a shirt looks like you're a cop. It's like a cop shirt. It's so funny. Good, good. That's exactly what I'm, the vibe I'm trying to put off. All right, I'll let you go, Tommy. Well, thanks for showing up. Uh, we had a very uh, another uncomfortable conversation for oh, you. I God. love it. Yeah, wow, I love it that you're uncomfortable. You're like, I don't want to talk about this. Well, I just like, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it, it's wh- whatever. All right, Tommy. Well, I, I do it to myself. This is why I make you bribe me. <laughs> so if anyone's like, "Why on earth would you do that?" I was like, I, "I'm hungry." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Tommy. Have fun. All right, bye. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye, bye.